Hayley Melinda, live on Not Your Very Podcast. Thank you for yes. thank you for um, coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Um, it's been a while. I've been trying to get into your diary for a hot minute, but we made it. <laughs> thank God. Uh, and yeah, no, it's been a long time coming. Just you know, um, super excited about this episode. Um, and you've got an amazing story, uh, and that's why I wanted to bring you on. Um, inspiring women, you know, breaking goals, like pushing boundaries, and. Uh, I think I want, I'm excited to hear what you're about to say, because I don't know. Um, I'm also <laughs> excited to, for other people to hear your story. Um, and they will find out about you after the show as well. You give them your details, etc., where to find you, etc. cetera. Um, but I'm going to get right into it and uh, probably just start off with you introducing yourself to, to the audience and the people. Because obviously it's not your everyday podcast where we talk about growth moments, the moments that you yeah. decided to level up. Um, behind the scenes of those moments that you actually said you know what i'm gonna change my career i'm going to uh you know be somebody different i'm going to you know start start a new business whatever it is and um we're gonna get into your growth moments uh, in, in a moment but just to do a little intro um I, I usually play this game where you know in a minute describe uh, your life story and I know that's that's a tough one but it's just to get people to understand who you are um, in, in just a, a snapshot of, of, of uh, your life so I will be timing um, okay. and uh, you have one minute so tell me when you're ready okay I'm ready uh, so three two one go right so my name is Hayley Melinda um, grew up in East London currently 23 years old I go to University of Kent I'm in my final year of university finally cannot wait to graduate um I am a speaker I'm an author and I'd like to say I'm a real model which means that I'm not looking to be a role model I'm looking to just be real and if people want to model after it just model after someone that's trying to be real I am personal faith so I believe in God and I love to rap I love to sing I love to dance I love to live life enjoy life I like to chop money um I like to do all of that and most importantly I like to love I'm a huge lover I always want to say that you know if there's anything that will follow my legacy I wanted to say Hayley loved um and yeah I'm from you know the whole story single parent household my dad passed away when I was a kid but didn't allow the circumstances I was encountering to determine my future so more or less tried to change my situation because I always say like your current situation is not your final destination so just inspiring other people to not take their current situation as it is and know that there's brighter days ahead I think I'm cool so you're just over but it's okay it's okay just over oh yeah, my gosh, okay. it's over by 20 <laughs> seconds but that's, that's good it's good like you didn't even go into some of your achievements which is it's kind of, we'll get into that don't worry that's part okay. of my story but I'll do some of it I didn't I, I've got like a brief like little description but you fill out the okay. rest in it but <clears throat> from what i've seen um now you're an award-winning international speaker change agent and author you've spoken at, spoken to thousands of young people uh, across the world sharing your story about vulnerability and purpose how you move from pain to purpose um you've all, you obviously specialized in a lot of um well keynotes and i've seen some in the us that you've done and uh, your themes are around vulnerability, personal development, and well-being. 
Um, you've obviously got a book as well that you, you released a couple of years ago um, called The ABC to Student Success. And you can talk more yeah. about that. But what else um, are you proud of? Like, what are the key moments in your life that you would like to kind of just share with the audience at the moment? Yeah. I mean, if we're talking accomplishments on paper, I definitely yeah. would say, you know, I, I'm... I've stepped into certain rooms that I shouldn't be able to step into. And I say this with all humility in terms of the fact that, you know, I spoke at Wembley Arena in front of 15,000 people when I was 19 years old. Um, there's not many people that can come and say that. And a lot of people always ask me, like, how did you do it? That's so many people, 15,000 people. But you know what? I just remember kind of walking up those steps. And I'm not even too sure. I think you was there as well. Were you there with Lord Hastings for We Day? Oh, uh, no, I wasn't on that one. No. Yeah. So um, it was, I think it was the year before you went. Yeah. So I spoke in that one and they gave me a, a like a, I spoke for like five, 10 minutes um, on my story. And I remember literally going up those stairs and I, I couldn't know, I didn't know where to look. Um, all I knew is I needed to look at the teleprompter, but I remember in between they told me that I can look, you know, try and look in someone's eyes. And I just remember at that point in my life, just kind of thinking, wow, Haley, like you really started with 12 people in a room. You started speaking when there was literally 12 people in a room. Teachers told you, you can't do it friends said you can't do it people around you said that there's no point in you pursuing this speaking thing but you still done it you know and 14,000 15,000 people is a lot of people um I would definitely come and say that is one of my greatest accomplishments in in a in a nutshell in the sense of the fact that I could have said I'm going to believe what everyone else said rather than me following my path or what I felt like I was called to do. So I'm, I, I always give myself the credit for that. Not because of what I've accomplished, but because within myself, I said no to the opinions and I said yes to my walk and I said yes to my purpose. Um, another thing I definitely would say is um, the balance of everything. Um, I, you know, what you said about in terms of the diary, university. Um, I dropped out of university in 2016 when I became really suicidal. I was in a really dark place and I'm sure we'll probably get into that. And the courage to go back to university. A lot of people think that I didn't want to go back to university because I was busy and because I was too busy doing a speed and a speed car, too busy kind of traveling around the world but a lot of people didn't know I was actually really scared um it took a lot for me to go back to university it took a lot of mentorship look it took healing it took counseling it took therapy for me to go back to the same thing that I thought was going to break me and it hasn't been easy I would definitely say this past three years has been probably the hardest three years of my life balancing business balancing speaking whilst in my final year literally just just did yesterday I just finished doing an essay I'm back to doing another essay this is my rest day back to doing another two essays that are due on Tuesday so I'm now starting my dissertation essay listen uni is a lot but um kind of telling myself that you know what Haley, just because the first experience nearly broke you um you've learned to build yourself again and you can finish this time so definitely that and I'll say the third one that I would say is quite personal um to me is you know to break the to break cycles in my family you know I'm one of the definitely would say I'm one person that in my family you know entrepreneur very spontaneous I'm very creative I'm um very much I didn't follow this nine to five and it's not to say the nine to five is a bad path I honestly would say the nine to five is probably an amazing path but I just knew it wasn't for me and I'm happy that I broke cycles where I was trying to where many people I know try and fulfill their parents expectations rather than you finding out what you're called to do 
I think for me, I'm happy that I broke family cycles of where I, where I've seen no so many people in my family and other people around me as well, not just my family, who had fortified their dreams and their goals for the sake of what their family were pursuing or what they told you to do. So um, that that's great. And my mum and my brother are like my greatest advocates, my greatest supports. So I'm so happy to have a supportive family as well with what I do. So yeah, I'm just grateful for those three things. I don't think you can say that. So how, how do you, well, let's get into that last point then. How, how do you go against the norm? So mm-hmm. in your household, in pretty much in African households as well, and a yeah. lot of ethnic minorities' households, it's like lawyer, doctor, accountant, you know, it's one of those kind of, kind of uh, career paths um, or professions. How did you, did you convince your parents or did you just, you know, tell them that like, this is what I want to do and you became a rebel? Like for, for those people who are, who are out there listening and, and thinking, like, I want to be a ballet dancer or I want to be an actress I want to be um just you know teacher I want to be something that's just not the norm um or I want to be an entrepreneur I want to be a youtuber whatever it is how did you break that cycle uh, and, and talk to your parents or how did you go about doing what you wanted to do rather than what your parent wanted you to do um I feel that with my mom, one of the things I love about my mom being raised um, by her is that she's not a dictator. So she's not the type that will try and dictate me on the paths that I need to take. She very much tries to let me find it for myself. And I think one of the things that let my mom have peace with the fact that I'm pursuing speaking, I've been consistent in speaking for the past seven years. So a lot of people look at where I am, seeing that I work with big corporations, KPMG, Microsoft, from uh, JP Morgan, Facebook, whichever client that you can name. I under I. I've, I'm very much aware that I work with big, big clientele and I work with some big corporations, but people also, I always remind people that I was consistent in me speaking in schools, consistent in me running workshops when I was in sixth form, consistent on running different programs at ground level before I got to a certain level where I was flying out and being flown out to different stadiums and different corporations. You have to learn to be consistent with the seed that you're given to sow. And I definitely would say with my mum, she saw me being consistent from the beginning. It's not one of those things where I came and said, I want to be a speaker. And then next time she sees me doing, you know, dancing and acting on the radio, she literally saw me speak, saw me go. And also I actually, um, I remember when I was 18, so I'd been speaking for a year now and I invited my mum to my first, when it came to my first ever paid talk. So my first ever paid talk was £50. And I remember they gave that to me in cash, £50 note. You know, literally, that's, you know, you, you, listen, you, you're literally about to turn 18. Let your guess, you know, £50 for a speaking engagement. Of course, for me, I had, um, the summer before, I had two jobs because I, I really wanted to make money. I wanted to buy myself a new camera. I wanted to buy myself a new Mac. So I was working my butt off um, to get some things done, to invest into my speaking career, to invest into a photo shoot, all this stuff, I was covering it. And I remember when I got my first paid talk, and obviously when you go from a place of getting paid £9 an hour to being paid £50 for a speaking engagement, it's big, it's big bucks, right? So I remember literally inviting my mum to the talk, and the founder and the people who booked me to talk, when they said she's my mum, they were like, your daughter's amazing. And I think it took my mum seeing me speak, and also, her and my brother as well, my older brother came as well to that talk, her seeing me speak and her witnessing that other people are being impacted by my work, that's what made her support me with everything in her. Um, and since then, 
if I can, I'll try and take my mum. I haven't brought my mum to talk for a few years now, if, if I'm being honest. But when it comes to award ceremonies and stuff like that, I'll try and bring my mum so that she doesn't feel like what I'm doing is just out here chatting nonsense. Like I'm actually trying to do some good in the world. So that's amazing. Um, so you basically said see it or believe it until we'll see it until you believe it or believe it until you see it. And then your mum yeah. like, wow, yeah, no, she's got the talent. Like I'm back in yeah. her. And then, so you're practicing, you're doing that. And it weren't just overnight. So if we just take it back now to your, like, how did you actually become Hayley Melinda? Like, what was the moment of growth? How did you transform your life? Because it's not easy. So what, what was that moment? What was your lowest moment? Or what was that moment that you decided, you know, I'm going to be this person? Um... I think my lowest moment, other than 2016, from taking all the way back, 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 back. Um, it was when I was bullied. Um, I got bullied when I was in year 78. And I remember I used to be so scared to walk home from school. So I remember my mum had to organise my stepdad to be picking me up and stuff like that. And then I remember there came a time when I went to Uganda for like, because um, I'm half Ugandan, I went to Uganda for like a month six weeks I can't remember it was like holidays I went for like six weeks and when it gets to the airport I didn't want to come back I was crying I was like I don't want to go back because I knew what I was going back to but at the time my mom didn't know how severe it was they had hacked into my Facebook they had hacked into my MySpace I was crying in Uganda I did not want to come back because I knew what I was coming back home to and I remember literally being in school and I didn't I think it, this happened over the summer holidays now so we're going into year eight and I remember um, my first day of school, people running back to people running up to me like, "Oh my gosh, you're alive!" And I'm like, "What do you mean?" And just hearing that people spread rumors that I died, um, and that's how severe and how disgusting it got. And I remember literally kind of saying to myself, you know, I never want anyone to feel like I felt. I never want anyone to feel alone. I never want anyone to feel what I felt during that time. So around that time, I basically found like a new set of people, friends, and I got closer. I actually got closer to a lot of the people in the year below because I felt like people might, I just couldn't talk to people in my year. And I then got this nickname called like, they used to say like, I'm like the mum. And my nurturing figure, I'm, I've, got, I've got such a nurturing heart. And I just, I feel like that really, really brought out my, my heart for nurturing, um, especially people who are younger than me. I've always been one person that's looked out for people younger than me. I have a whole mentorship program where I'm basically mentoring like 20 young females. Um, and my heart is always to mother, mentor, be big sister. So I remember when that was happening, and literally just you know over time things you know over time i was not not saying forgiven but over time things died down the bullying stopped and stuff like that and then it's when it got to i got to year 10 and in year 10 i remember one of my close friends had run for young mayor of newham so i'm from the borough of newham and i remember literally being one of her campaign managers and being so involved in it and i literally said to myself I want to do this next year. I want to run for young mayor. Um, I want to run for young mayor to show young people that, hey, like I can be, I actually want to create change in my borough and I'm still very much involved in my borough till this day. And, you know, just me 
seeing that process and then the following year I ran for young male I ended up becoming third out of the 43 candidates I didn't get young male or or deputy but I was so close and I remember literally finding out that I had just missed it and crying and being so sad but at that very moment when I realized if I set my head my head to something and I do it I can do it I got over 900 votes across the borough of Newham and I'm just a small girl from St. Angelo's. This is the secondary school I went to. I had votes coming from Little Ilford to Royal Docks to Cumberland. Like I had people who didn't even know me, who just believed in my words, believed in my vision and said, I'm going to vote for this girl. I'm going to run. I'm going to put my trust in her. Of course, but at the time, obviously, young male, when I look back at it, it's cute. But at the time, it was a big, it was a big thing. I cry, when I tell you, I cried my heart out. My whole campaign team. I remember literally the day of the 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 thingy. They only told us that, and this is how you know I'm one person. If I need to do something, I want to get it done. They told me that I can only bring plus two. Yeah, tell me how I was able to sneak in twenty people into that room. So twenty. Twenty. (laughs) When I tell you, I was delegating. I literally had five people who came and said to me, "Ah, you know, we ain't got plus twos." I said, "Cool." Okay, right. I literally I was outside that that town hall saying, "Who you going in with?" Okay, all right, you're going to get. And literally, I stuck in twenty. So when it came to me not getting it, I remember at the end they all realised I snuck in twenty people because when it came to me, think we were all crying. And I think what moved me is to know they cried with me. My campaign team still they cried with me. They they were out there campaigning, and I, there's still videos. I can send videos to you, and whatever, if you want to put it in. There's actually videos of me campaigning outside Stratford, where we're outside Westwood screaming, saying, "Ah, oh, vote Haley for Young Mayor," and that was definitely one of the most the highlights of my life because at that very t- at that very moment, I just came and said, "You know what, Haley, you can actually make an impact in this world. You don't have to be one person that." being born in a castle or this high-end horse or this high-end type of life it starts with your community it starts with you getting people who believe in your vision it starts with people who are willing to ride with you people who are willing to work with you and people who you're also willing to serve i believe in servitude leadership um so i think at that very moment when my campaign team saw that my heart was to serve it wasn't for clout it wasn't for title it was to generally serve a community in a borough it got a lot of people on my campaign team. And that was very much the moment that I just came and said, you know what, I'm gonna run with this. Um, and then the following year, that's when I started speaking. So it really all started in secondary school. I very much am grateful for the experiences. I will never wish bullying in anyone, um, never, you know, but I'm happy I went through it, I, I am. That's amazing. So it's, it's, uh, it's just playing it back, it's like you, put your mind to something which was I'm going to change my circumstance and I'm going to apply for being a young mayor and you almost won it uh, but then you realise that you got so close that you can actually next time you know if you did it again you probably could have won it or if you put your mind to something else you know you could actually achieve it so that almost hint of success made you think you know what I can change my environment, change my life, you know, if I just put in the work and I focus. So it was your determination, it was your motivation, self-motivation, like, and you just said, you know what, like, I'm going to change my life. And that's when you started speaking. Okay, cool. Perfect, perfect. So can we talk about the moment um, that you, because you said, if you don't mind sharing, like you yeah. uh, went into a moment of depression or a p- period or phase. What was that like? What happened? And how did you get, how did you overcome it? 
Right, so I would say it started in sixth form. I just was never on, open about it. So a lot of people actually didn't know that when I was in sixth form, I actually was going through counselling and therapy. Um, and um, I remember when my counsellor put in her reson resignation, I think she was going through something in her personal life and she could no longer counsel me. And I was just, I was angry. Because I felt at that very moment when I thought I could really start getting some healing that I needed. To this day, my mum doesn't actually know that I was getting counselling in um, sixth form. When I knew that she wasn't coming back, I was just in my head thinking, what's the point? I want to try something and then I try, I try. someone says they're going to help me, then they don't help me anymore. So what's the point? So at that point, I just thought, you know what, let me just leave it. And I just never addressed it again. So now I got to my first year, first year sixth form, first year sixth form started speaking, but also I was the only black girl in my hall, so I faced a lot of microaggression when it comes to racism, little comments, stuff like, oh, you're going to, you live in a poo house in Africa, don't you? <laughs> All these comments and stuff. And just the, the, the subtle thing, oh, you, you're, you're, your, your roads are dirty, aren't you? Oh, like, just those are the type of comments that I faced in university. I was only black girl of my halls. And I was, I was not labelled, but very much the persona of the angry black girl followed me because that's all they had seen on the media. So that's who they assumed I was going to be. So it, there would be different circumstances where some of my flatmates would, you know, there was one in particular, and I'll call him C., he would patronise me to get that angriness out of me, to get that anger out of me, which I hated. And I felt quite lonely in that period. But also I felt like I had to change myself to feel like I needed to fit in. So when I felt like I had to, you know, do more, I had to do things that weren't me. I'm not, even though I'm very sociable, I love, love dancing. I love, I'm not really the clubbing type. So I felt like I had to club. I felt around that time, I just felt like I had to do so many things I really didn't want to do. Um, and, you know, I definitely would say, you know, I got to a place of where I, I'll i be open, I'll be honest, drinking and all that stuff. Um, it, I started just drinking now for the sake of just drowning out my thoughts. Um, I'll be open. At the time, I was very much um, doing cannabis. Um, I would be just smoking weed to just drown out my thoughts. And that's when I realised I was getting to a bad place. I just didn't even care anymore. I didn't even care. Then it got to a point where I couldn't even go a day without smoking. I couldn't go a day without, and I'd be drinking my room by myself. That's when I knew it was a problem. And um, so when I would be doing all this stuff by myself, no one's there entertaining. I'm not even doing it for fun anymore. I'm just doing it even to get by. I'm just doing it to be, just to make sure my head, I'm, I'm not in my thoughts anymore. I just started feeling really, really alone. At the time I was in quite a, a toxic um, relationship and, you know, it was just it was it was breaking down it was getting too much for me overwhelming then also on top of this I'm speaking on top of this I'm traveling on top of this there's this this demand I think this is very I don't want to come and say this is my breakthrough moment in speaking but this was the time I started getting exposed to money this is a time when you know I, I in terms of the five I wasn't in the five figures back then I was around three figures charging three figures but I mean when you are 18 years old you've never been charged free, you've never been paid free figures for a speaking engagement for an hour, you are gonna, you can let it get to your head. So when I'm getting this money, I'm in my head thinking, yeah, what? I've, and around this time, I'm not gonna lie to you, I got very prideful. I 
I started taking revenge because I, I had a lot of bitterness as well because I remember I just said that when I first started speaking the year prior to that, a lot of people didn't believe in me. So I wanted to rub it in the faces of those who didn't believe in me. I wanted to get them back. Like, look at me now. I'm making, I'm making the money. I'm on the TV. I'm on the newspapers. But really and truly, I was battling so many things within myself. I wasn't happy. And I felt like I was living to prove other people wrong rather than me to be happy within myself. And I just remember just getting to a place where I just got so overwhelmed with life. And around this time when I was getting overwhelmed, I stopped eating. Uh, my personal hygiene went down, stopped showering. I would literally only go to the toilet to urinate. And I'll be honest, like I'd be going to the toilet to urinate like every 48 hours because I'm not drinking either. So my I'm sick now because my body now at this time is not even getting nutrients. So I'm feeling sick. I'm feeling mad. And I'm literally in a place where I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the worst place. Stopped talking to everyone. Came off social media, deleted every single app on my phone. And I was just like, I can't do this. My mom at the time was trying to call me and obviously I wasn't at, living at home. I was um, at the University of Sussex where I was going to university at the time. Everyone's trying to call me, you can't get through to me. My mom calls me one time and I just pick up and just break down on the phone. I'm like, I can't do this. I can't do this. I don't want to be here. Literally that same night, drove up, took me back home. Now you think that me being back home, things are going to get better. You think that things are going to improve. They got worse. I remember literally not being able to leave my bed. My room stank because I wasn't showering. I wasn't doing anything. Like I was literally just sitting, staying in bed, crying or watching. Listen, when I tell you I have watched every single interview, every single documentary when it comes to OJ Simpson. And yes, I do think he did it. I think that OJ did it. He done it he done it but when I tell you I have watched every documentary to do OJ Simpson, Johnny Crockren, um, Rob Kardashian I was a OJ guru because it got me through my time of depression and also at that time I was playing Candy Crush I at the time I actually ended up being number seven in the world for Subway Surfer I ended up being number one in the UK so these are a lot of things that people don't know that I had experienced in this time and um, you'd think that you know, me doing these things, I'd get okay. And I wasn't, I was still very much in a dark place. And I remember it being so bad to the extent where my mum, unfortunately had to go to Uganda to look after my granddad who was ill at the time. And then my brother um, was working and he was doing a nine to five. So obviously during the day, he wouldn't be able to stay at home. He had to work. And at the time, my, my brother would go to work and he'd be calling me at work. He'd be on mute, but just so he could hear me. So literally he'd be listening to me at work just to make sure I wouldn't do anything stupid. And then my best friend would literally call me um, in the evenings to check up on me. So, and around that time, I remember she was doing exam season. So I remember she would literally be calling me after exams or calling me after a vision session. So around six, between six to like 10 PM, my best friend would be calling me. And I remember there was one time when um, my brother was like at work, like he was at work, he couldn't call me. I can't remember what it was. I think it was like a training day or something. And my best friend couldn't call me either that day. I remember literally just getting that feeling that like the two people who I felt like would be able to help me won't and as I said going for a breakup uh, my partner at the time my ex just gave up on me I had friends give up on me friends that were like I can't handle you I don't want to I can't handle you you're, you're too depressed for me I don't want to be part of this and stuff like that and it, it, it broke me because it's like I saw people who were willing to eat my money, celebrate with me when I got the awards, when I was on the, the newspapers, when I was in the TV, to see these exact same people to text me or to text my loved ones to come and say, we can't handle Haley. 
she's too much and um it broke me in that time and I just felt a burden to everyone I felt overwhelmed so I remember literally just going downstairs getting pills ready to commit suicide and take my life and literally as I take up the first pill I don't think it's a coincidence probably God's God's plan my brother walks in and he sees me just as I'm about to take my first pill and he's able to speak to me talk to me he shared this story about Muhammad Ali and he said to me Hayley I don't know what you're going through I don't know where your mind is right at right now but I want to share a story about Muhammad Ali and he said to me Hayley Muhammad Ali he has he's a he's a fighter he goes out and he's fighting and he's jabbing and he's doing everything he can and you know everyone's cheering him they say Muhammad you can do this Muhammad fly like butterfly sing like a bee everyone's cheering Muhammad Ali as he's in that ring and then what happens is Muhammad gets knocked down Muhammad when he gets knocked down everyone's cheering him on his coach everyone they're cheering him on saying Muhammad you can do this Muhammad you can get up Muhammad you can fight and what happens is no matter how many people are cheering his name no matter how loud they're getting it's actually up to Muhammad to get up and fight my brother said to me, Haley, we can be cheering you on saying, Haley, get up and fight. Haley, you can do this. Haley, you can overcome this. But Haley, no matter who's cheering your name, no matter how loud we are, whether it's me, whether it's mummy, whether it's your best friend Fiona, no matter who it is, no matter how loud we are, no one is going to be able to get you out of that place until you yourself says, I can get up and fight. My brother had done something where he left me with the pills. He, it was a hard decision for him. But I made a great decision that day and that decision was to not end my life and to carry on do what I'm doing now today. So I, how did I overcome it to answer the latter question? Now you'd think I literally got off and I said, well, all right, we're going to kill the world. We're going to do this. No, like I think I went back to my bed and cried again. Um, literally went to sleep. I was addicted to sleeping pills as well. Just so that, because sleeping pills, what they do is they, it's, they help you sleep, but you can, you can kind of be in a state where sleeping pills can make you very desensitized to life. So literally I I would take sleeping pills, even if I don't want to sleep, I just, just so that I can just get drowsy. So I think around them times I was, even after I was getting out that period, I was taking sleeping pills a lot. I was taking a lot of sleeping pills just so I could be drowsy throughout the day. And at the time I wasn't smoking, like I was trying to cut like me smoking weed out and stuff like that. So I wasn't smoking. I wasn't drinking as well, trying to cut my alcohol intake. And, um, I definitely would say one of the things that I was doing is I was listening to music every day. As I said, like I'm a music head. So I've been singing, rapping, dancing since I've been like three years old. A lot of people don't know that when I was like young, I was doing tap dancing. I've done singing, I've done touring, I've done gone to South Africa for singing. I've actually sung in front of Prince Charles when I was in secondary school. So these are a lot of things that people don't know about my life. Um, and I remember um, just playing a lot of music, going back to the era of dancing when I'm singing again. Now, I remember there was even a time when my mom came back from Uganda, my mom smiled, to me, my smiled at me and she said to me, I know you're getting better. And I said to her, well, how do you know? She goes, because you're singing again. Because there's not a debt, you can't live with me and think that you won't hear me sing. Yeah. Every single day I'm singing something. Whether I'm singing English, singing, whether I'm singing gospel, whatever I'm singing, I'm singing something. And um, I started going out on the balcony. I started breathing, I started showering. I started brushing my teeth, I started eating, even if I'm eating one meal a day, two meals. And I was, these are to-do lists that I had to do every single day. So I literally would say, Hey, have you done this? Hey, have you done that? Have you done that? And another thing that really helped me get out of that place is literally having a list, a list of gratitude, an attitude of gratitude, like literally a gratitude list where every single day I used to write things that I was grateful for. I used to, I got into a place of journaling and again, I started, I got into a place of 
um, me feeling like I can actually do this, I can actually overcome this. And when I got into that place, I just said to myself, you know what? I allowed myself to um, sometimes have my down days as well. So I didn't beat myself up if I fell back to a place where I was crying again. I just let myself go for that day and then I start again. But having a to-do list, it sounds really weird. It helped me though, to just remind myself to do these little, little tasks. And when I was doing this, obviously, of course, after 21 days, habits develop. Now, I mean, four years later, I don't need a to-do list to tell me that I need to eat, that I need to do this, I need to do that. But at the time I needed to remind myself that, Hayley, this is what's going to help you get out of this place. So I hope that, you know, we'll give some content as to how I was able to, context, sorry, to, as to how I was able to get out of that place amazing story um Haley, i think it's inspiring to know that you've uh, you've you've had to face your demons and you had to um literally be on your knees and almost to a point where you wanted to give up you know and you had a, a moment of of um literally just given up and then your brother walked in and, and saved saved the day and essentially saved your life and um gave you a new new path and you decided to 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 live essentially and and change your life again um and so but talk to us about how you go about because you said that you went from nine pound for an engagement to 50 pound engagement i know you probably on more than that now so how do you how do you go about measuring your value when when you go booking for engagements or you know you said microsoft kpmg jp morgan these big brands how do you Mm -hmm. have a conversation about how much the you're worth for a fee to speak on this particular topic that is good you know what i we have a mutual friend kenny um kenny mcadon has been a great help for me in that area i remember when i first met kenny i was in i was in debt of about 900 pounds and i remember being two hours late to my meeting with kenny because i sat there for two hours crying because of how much debt um santander overdrafts all these things just follow me yeah two hours yeah and and this is why i love him so much because and i tell everyone this story because i don't know who in their right mind would wait for someone for two hours but he waited for me and he waited for me and i'm sure he probably was busy or whatever but he still waited for me he sat me down and he came and said to me and till this day that word changed me and i remember it was the end of 2017 i met him around december times and i remember he he said something to me he said to me Haley, be expectant be expectant when a seed is in the ground it's expecting a harvest just be expectant and I remember around these times I didn't really I didn't really have a setting uh, a set price so I'm going somewhere with this I didn't really have a set price so I literally just used to price on what it is someone came said to me I'll be like someone like 30 minutes I'll be like hey hmm. okay 100 then I wouldn't even come with any strategy I'd just be like okay 100 <laughs> and, then, and then if they come and say it's too much <laughs> literally if someone comes and says it's too much I'll come and say okay 50 like I wouldn't I had no structure I just used to throw things throw figures around so I'm really happy around that time I had someone like Kenny who used to pour a lot of words into me pour a lot of life into me and I remember he said he sent me a video to Eric Thomas now Eric Thomas being one of the most profound speakers one of the most uh, prominent speakers right now in, in our current age um he he was talking about knowing your worth and he said Eric Thomas talked about how he met a mentor Bob Proctor 
Bob Proctor is one of the big, one of the most influential. I don't, I don't even say coaches. I don't, know, I don't know what category to put him in. And um, he went to Bob Proctor and said to Bob Proctor, you know, um, you know, I just got this speaking gig for ten k. And then for me, even hearing that type of figure, I was like, ten k, like, ain't nobody gonna pay ten k. Um, and then after Bob Proctor came and told him to charge hundred k, and then he was like to Bob Proctor, "Are you crazy?" And he came and said, "Listen, even if you charge hundred k." It's not about the figures you're throwing. It's about the value of your story, the value of what you've been through, the value of what you've experienced, the value of your sacrifice. All of that, you can't put a price on it. And you have to understand you're charging not for just what you give, you're charging for your time. These people get to spend time with you. They get to dissect your brain. They get to hear a heart of you that not many people do. So I remember literally listening to that. And then um, Eric Thomas came and said that now he charges 100K for a speaking engagement. I'm not at the 100k level yet I would say that <laughs> but um I over the years having certain mentors show me that you know um the pricing of strategies for fees for the certain ways that you 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 add value and I'm one person as well if I do a, if I charge a speaking engagement whether I'm charging five figures or if I'm charging nothing I would definitely come and say that every single speaking engagement I give my all I don't allow the fee to determine how much I'm going to charge. I don't allow, if they come and say they've got a budget of 200, if they come and say they've got a budget of 20K, whatever the budget is, I'm coming to them and I'm giving my 100. Because as soon as I say yes, regardless of that price, I have to give them my all. Not because there's money attached to it, but because there's lives attached to it. So I definitely would say one of the things that determines, so when you come to the whole booking process, when you get to my PA, because you won't get in contact with me if you're doing a booking process, people sometimes try and slide into my DMs. I'm always directing you, go back to my PA, go back to my PA, because I just don't like handling the money talk. Personally, I've got a team for that, for that, for that, for that very reason. So if you come into my thing, a lot of things determine it. How long am I speaking for? How many people are um, are, are in the thingy? What type of, um, what do you need from me? Well, obviously now it's virtual speaking engagement. So do you need it live? Do you need it pre-recorded? Um, if it's obviously back in the day, am I going out there? Am I flying out there? I need to travel accommodation. All these things that have to take into consideration, but most importantly, my time. Because if you're demanding something of two hours, a lot of people think speaking is literally, I literally had my mentee the other day when I came and said, ah, oh, I'm so big. I said to her, listen, I've got, um, she wanted to have a meeting with me. I said, give me a second. I'm going to need to look at my calendar so I can see when I can fit you in because I have so many speaking engagements to plan for. She said, plan? And I was thinking, yes, yeah, girl. Like, you think I just go out here, wave a wand and be like, hallelujah. Like, you think I just go out here and say, yeah, my name's Hayley Melinda, do, 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 start breakdancing and go off the stage. No, I have to. One of the things that a lot of people don't know that I do, I study the company's ethos because I work more with corporations. Okay, what does this company stand for? What are their va brand values? Well, how can I enforce this? How can I incorporate this, incorporate this into my presentation? What exactly do they want? I like to read. I like to study to ensure that what I'm saying is factual. I'm not just going to come out here and say Snoop Dogg said that one, two, three is one, two, three. I've got to make sure Snoop Dogg is saying what he's actually saying. Do you know what I mean? And I think a lot of people think that I just charge my speaking engagements because it's like, oh, you know, I can just throw money there because no, I'm not just getting paid for my words or my value. More or less, I'm getting paid for not, I don't even want to say my experience. I always say in life, there's two ways to learn. You either learn through your mistakes or you learn through mentorship. And I would always say that, you know, mistakes will cost you. It's either the mistakes will cost you or you pay to learn from a mentor.
or you pay to learn from a speaker or you pay to learn from a coach or a guru and I don't shy away from the fact that I do have fees I don't shy away from that because I know the time the value but I definitely would say having mentors having people around me watching people like Eric Thomas I've invested also into speaking coaching programs people don't know that where I've actually been mentored by um, big, big speakers um, here in this country and also in America, actually, and just breaking down their system. How do they charge? How do they communicate? And that's helped me know that I'm not being um, cuckoo. And I definitely would say, lastly, one of the things that I take into consideration is um, when it comes to negotiating and stuff, I have to always ask myself and check myself because as a human being, if you're not careful, you can be greedy am I being greedy? Am I being pushy with my fee? There's a difference of you knowing your, your, your worth. There's a, and there's sometimes a thin line where you're just being greedy and now you're just trying to just yank money out of the client. And, but then there's sometimes when the client just, is just, they just can't pay and they're not valuing what you can offer. And you have to be able to discern that and be able to discern when to walk away from a client, not because you don't want to work with them but also because they're generally not paying the value of what you know you can bring to the table so i definitely would say it's very um subjective to different people but yeah that's amazing and um you answered loads of questions there about how to um essentially be, be tactical in 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 negotiations and have a strategy and and reaching out to your friends and you know going on coaching courses amazing a lot of people don't know that so what is the just for context what is the most you've been paid if you're if, you, if you're able to, sh to share for uh, a, a an event uh, a conference that you've spoken at okay so i won't say the roughing i'll say the around so I'll say, I'll say basically the range has been between 15 to 20k for one speaking engagement Amazing. So that just gives it context from nine pounds yeah. to twenty thousand. So it's just to let yeah. people know the levels that we're talking about. That you're, <laughs> you know, you're just normal Haley from like East London. You said yeah, and yeah. now you're on big things. So we just wanted to let people know, <laughs> let people know that it's possible. Like it's not just yeah. like, these Americans and they do it and they make it a day job. Like you can like people anywhere in the world who've got a story can do it. And I just wanted to. To, 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 for you to share that and we'll get into how to build a brand because that's one thing I want to kind of get from you about yeah. um, actually let's talk about now and then we'll go into some of the, your, your childhood etc so how, how what would you say to someone who wants to build a brand in in, in 2021 um, or, or even now what would you say based on your experience of how you did it I know it's different for everybody, but yeah. reflecting on your experience, how you built your brand and then how others can do the same or similar. Do you know what? I would say you are your brand. You create your brand. Um, I think one of the mistakes that I done at the beginning of my brand is I boxed myself too much into speaking. So, but I don't know when this, this is going to come out, but by the time this comes out, probably a few weeks after. So this is exclusive here, but then when they get it, it might come out. So basically I'm jumping into the music scene. So it's one of those things where a lot of people are going to look at me jumping on music and being like, but you're a speaker. And I'm not though. I speak. It's not my identity. It's something I do. It's not who I am. You know what I mean? 
And I definitely feel that a lot of people, what happens is they find more identity in what they do than rather who they are. And I definitely say with your brand, please don't lose yourself trying to find your brand. That's, that's number one. Don't lose your value. Don't lose your hobbies. Don't lose the things you love. Your brand shall actually be birthed through the things you love. So with me, if I come and say, who is Hayley? This is why I just come and say I'm a real model. Because one day you might be, you might see me literally speaking. Next minute you might see me writing a book. Next minute you might see me releasing a rap track. Who knows? And I definitely would say that one of the things that I've, I've learned in the area of branding is branding is very much about not caring what other people think because you have to also understand that you have a tribe that you're called to and not everyone is going to understand your, tri your tribe and everyone's going to understand your brand that's okay some people like Audi and some people like Lidl some people come and say they're the same but some people prefer Audi over Lidl some people prefer um Asda over Sainsbury's some people prefer Sainsbury's well I'm definitely team Sainsbury's after you know their Christmas advert but um some people prefer yeah. Tesco over Sainsbury's do you know what I mean so but I can't come and tell you Olu why are you going to Tesco for you know Sainsbury's is the one for us and stuff like that I can't tell you that if you prefer Tesco's chicken over Sainsbury's who am I to come and tell you what you need Te Sainsbury's know that Sainsbury's know their demographic and so does Tesco so I definitely would say whenever you're building a brand who are you called to do not compromise that when you feel like you're if you feel like i feel as i'm growing older i feel like i'm more called to women i do mentor men i do coach men i do obviously in terms of speaking i'm not just speaking with thing. a lot of my senior leaders that i actually work with are men um a lot of the corporations i've spoken to in the room are men however i just feel in terms of coaching my personal one-on-one -on -one, i prefer that i speak with women but am i now gonna you know you know when it comes to my 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 take on branding i'm not gonna more now come and say you know what now i want to be um, everyone i'm gonna make my brand new for everyone no if i come and say that i feel like my coaching and my personal brand my personal coaching and mentorship programs are for women i'm gonna make sure i tailor to that and i i always come and say know your demographic know your tribe ask them questions do market research who are they? Where do they live? Where do they reside? I think a lot of people resonate with me because I'm a black woman. So I attract a lot of black women. I attract also a lot of women of faith. So for me, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to come and say that I'm limiting my brand to that, but I very much know who my tribe is and I try and feed them as much as possible. But just because I'm feeding them doesn't mean anyone, everyone else has to go hungry. That's not, that's not the whole point. And I'll say lastly, one of the things I'll say about building your brand is, um, I would say, oh, aesthetics. Oh, yes. Excellent, honey. You know, do not be expecting to be getting, you know, I, I say this, I say this with humility. You know, my brand, I actually started touching five figures in terms of my speaking engagements when I started getting a graphic designer, when I started working with someone that can build a website. I think many times you're, you're trying to do Microsoft Word logo, then you want big big facebook client and it's not me being rude or anything it's just me kind of being real that when it comes to your branding you have to ensure that your brand reflects the prices that you want to charge and i think many times we're here oh i want to do my wordpress and it's like you know you know you've got to be making sure that the level of excellence your brand is reflecting i always come and say this listen my website's one of my favorite websites in the world and i paid a lot of money to make sure that website was, so there's sometimes i literally go sometimes i'll be on the internet just to go on my website not because i'm up myself or because it's just because sometimes i like to look at it and be like yes Haley, because i paid money for that so i'm going to be on website every single day i'm going to look at it i'm going to like it and we'll say yes 
and I've got people who from uh, different people around the world who I actually have had people in the, in the middle of speaking engagement stop me and say who created your website my when I tell you my web my web graphica my web designer my graphic designer have had so much business in 2020 because of the amount of people who have come to my website and be like your website's good who done your website your website's sick if you want to go check out your website on it I, I say go enjoy it but I definitely would say that having a brand like where I've invested money and invested um you know a lot into graphic design and videography whatever I'm doing that definitely has reflected in terms of the type of clients and the type of people I work with so when it comes to branding if you want to increase in um, your clientele if you want to increase in price and if you want to increase in strategy whatever that is make sure that is also reflected in your branding in terms of aesthetics coloring um, um placement the type of uh, people you're working with too yeah great point because i think a lot of people fail to acknowledge that you've got to spend a little to get a, to get something back right and mm-hmm. yeah people don't want to spend that money or it's it, i think it's, it's to do with risk factor as well what is your risk factor do you are you betting on yourself that you create a really good website so that you can attract more more clients or are you just trying to do the minimum to try and yeah. try and get a minimum um yeah. but you know you you went out your way you found people um, to build that brand, build that aesthetics, and you're getting the rewards based on you know the amount of of faith you put into your own products. So, three practical tips for personal yeah. growth. Three practical tips for personal growth. Alright, cool. Number one, get a mentor. A hundred percent. That mentorship is like um I definitely would say like my relationship with mentorship has definitely been hard sometimes because sometimes mentors you I don't want to say you outgrow them but different seasons you know what I mean so I definitely have been through mentorship hurt in the past um definitely currently I'm actually going through one right now um and I would but I definitely would always be an advocate of mentorship um as I said my pastor said something you either learn through two things right now you either learn through mistakes or you learn through mentors i'm very grateful that i have a handful of mentors women mentors male mentors i'm very grateful that i'm actually in a time in my life where i'm connecting more with women mentors because as a woman i feel like it's important to have other women supporting you and as a man i think it's other important to have men around you because you know just it's brotherhood and sisterhood I, I i'm i'm for that number two i definitely would say um every single day I ask myself this question and I ask myself, Haley, did you do what you were meant to do? Not did you do what your mom told you to do, not what you do what Ollie told you to do, not to do what your partner told you to do, but did you do what you was called to do? And I think self-awareness is number two. The only way for you to grow is self-awareness. You have to be so self-aware with your mistakes and where you are in your life and for you to ask yourself where you currently are. I think you have to be in a time of really just being open and honest about where you are definitely personal growth and i'll say number three invest into your growth get books get into courses get into communities it doesn't have to be finances i think a lot of people when they hear the money when they hit invest they're like oh my gosh like i don't have money i don't have money no join communities i mean i have my own community building new community is free um and literally that community is just facilitate personal development space where people want to connect with other people who are on the personal development journey i know so many different communities that are there for free join on slack join on facebook and just connect network with people um you can only grow as much as the environment you allow yourself to be embedded in and i definitely would say no flower 
um, you know, no rose can grow from a concrete. And, you know, if that environment is, you know, stagnant, if that environment is pushing you down, it's going to be very hard for a rose to truly grow out of the concrete. So I, I would definitely recommend that every single person to be in environments where they can grow, where they can just blossom, um, because your environment is probably one of the most important things you can embed yourself in. Sick, sick, sick. Amazing advice, man. Well done. And uh, it rings true, everything that you said. Um, two books for personal growth oh two books i already got one trillion dollar coach by eric schmidt alan rosenberg and no alan eagle and jonathan rosenberg trillion dollar coach oh ollie you have to read it it's basically about the life of bill campbell who is the mentor of all the silicon valley leaders so he mentored and coached mark zuckerberg steve jobs um um, bill gates and i think i was till this day i've read that book and i've i've been so i've been i think that's the type of life i want to live mm. i think when a lot of people come and say who is Haley melinda i want my legacy to be attached to my mentees and the people that i've coached and the people that i've helped he is a great man because he helped other people to become great people i think a lot of my legacy i want other people to realize they're great because i I poured life into them because I sacrificed my time for them because I love them. This is why I'm so heavy on mentorship. So, you know, if you follow me on socials, you understand every single morning, six o'clock in the morning, I'm with my, my mentees, my, uh, my, my girls who are literally my little sisters, 13 to 20, and I'm just pouring into them. And I learned so much from that book and from that mentorship. And I'll say, you know, second book, you know, I could, I could say the Bible, but, um, the bible is just it's, it's thingy but that's for people of faith but if i'm going off the the basis of faith um 21 irrefutable laws of leadership um i've learned that the world doesn't lack resource when i think about africa i'm very i'm very very passionate about africa and i remember when we went to one young world and uh, lord hastings asked every single person what they want to do and 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 how's um one young world impacted them and i remember for me i just came and said listen i want to do more for africa I literally just remember going there and I'm thinking to my, cause one young world, if it taught me anything, it really taught me the power of leadership. Yeah. And I really don't believe Africa lacks resources. I hate when they show poor Africa because I definitely would say I've seen big money in Africa. I've seen big houses in Africa. I don't think Africa even lacks resources. I think it lacks leadership. It lacks leadership. And if we can be the generation that focuses on great leadership, we will see the world change. We think about nations that have just shifted around. I think a great case study is, I think is it New Zealand? New Zealand is like the, the type of democracy and the type of things that the nation has pushed because of the leadership, because of the, I think the prime minister, she's a woman. And I, I've heard a lot about her leadership style, but I think about organizations. I think about people who have come in to organizations who have shifted things around just because of leadership and, you know, 21 irrefutable laws of leadership and, um, and Trillion Dollar Coach have definitely um, helped me understand that, you know, your today impacts your tomorrow. So become better today so you can make a greater tomorrow, just not just for yourself, but for the world around you. Amazing. Sick. Uh, Hayley, that was superb. Like, great books. I'm going to look into that first one. Um, yeah. uh, definitely uh, sounds really good to, to read. Um, and then just like your whole journey and just just before we close like you know I just want to thank you for coming on the platform but also I'm proud of you 
part of your journey that you, you're you're on and it's continuing to grow you know when we think of like uh international speakers based in london i think of you immediately you're doing it for real making it happen um and you're just you just you can see it we can see your growth and um I want to applaud you for that and continue to, to do that and, and inspire more people um, as you go on your journey as well. So just thank you so much. Um, you know, loads of gems today. Um, and yeah, I just wish you all the best for the rest of this year and also for your you know, the, the things that you've got going on um, next year. And, and of course your degree when when it's done as well. So. <laughs> yeah, please, I definitely need that. But thank you, I, I appreciate it. And I'm so happy that we finally got this locked in. I was actually really looking forward to this. And actually, I was actually going through your podcast whilst the, earlier today. So I was going through um, just the different, the way the setup and stuff, just so I could make sure, okay, cool, this is um, what I'm going on. And I'm going to push it as if it's my own. Um, why? Because I love being able to see you in. Ever since um, I've just connected with you, I think one of the things I personally can come and say is seeing you in as well. So from the time when I saw you speak One Young World, the stuff you've done for KPMG, it's inspiring because I'm passionate about, I don't want to come and say, um, being pro-black doesn't mean being anti-white. I'm just going to clarify that. But I love being able to see my black brother go into rooms and change the narrative for so many people. And you just don't know the amount of times when you've walked into a room and represented your brother's well, you've opened the door for so many other black men to walk into those rooms too. So don't stop walking into those rooms. Never be afraid to walk into those rooms. And it's not to come and say that you don't hear this um, enough, but well done. Well done, because you yourself, you have a story, which I probably don't know too much about, but um, to come from South London, right? To come from South London, especially where the narrative has literally, when you was growing up, has literally been either being gang, stabbed, like prison, like when that narrative is so pushed on you, like it's it's sometimes hard to defy the odd. So you yourself to defy the odd. And it's, it's even an honour to know you. So thank you. I don't take it lightly. So not your everyday podcast is going to be number one soon. But yeah. Hey, thank you. Thank God. Thank you. <laughs> hey, that was really sweet, man. I appreciate you so much for that. Um, you know, much love. Much love. <laughs>